Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. It's the 315. Here's Brian Higgins. Rolling along here on this Tuesday in the Qs. It remains Christmas music bump back season, people. Five days till Christmas. Happy Hanukkah to anyone out there. Uh, what's today? Today's Tuesday, third night of Hanukkah is this evening. Keeping tabs on all of our holiday seasons and traditions. I don't know if Syracuse Pittsburgh basketball is a holiday tradition. I feel this one usually happens later in the year, but we got that at uh, 9 o'clock in the Dome tonight. First of two with the Panthers this year. And with that uh, time to talk, some Cuse basketball, some ACC basketball. We bring in our friend from ACC Network and uh, everything else going on down there in Louisville, Luke Hancock. Hey, Luke, uh, welcome in. Thanks for hopping on. Thanks for having me. Excited to get after it. Conference play getting kicked off and, and obviously the holidays. So I'm in good spirits. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I mean, it, it's all going on right now, Luke. And, you know, it's interesting. I, I think traditionally, and this would have fit kind of, you know, to the arrow of when you played, Conference play for the most part back then, you, you kind of waited until you flipped the calendar over. Now there's the 20-game season. Like There's literally no way to play them all starting in January between then and, and March. What, what are these conference games like now when you know most teams in the league already have one under their belt for the most part? And, and here we are, week before Christmas. that you're, We're playing games that you know legit matter tonight and tomorrow night. Right. I, I mean, as conferences have expanded and they've added teams, the whole schedule has gotten kind of changed up. I remember when I used to play, you'd kind of separate your season out. You know, you'd have your non-conference slate early on, usually a holiday tournament. You'd play some, you know, non-Power 5 teams that would usually, you know, come to Louisville when I played, but but anywhere across the ACC, and you'd be feeling really good 10 games in. Now, like you said, most of these teams have gotten one or two in. Conference would probably like to kick off basketball season with some of these uh, marquee in-conference matchups, but we got to wait until this time of year, but this is when it gets fun. Um, the good thing is for a lot of these teams is you can kind of put things behind you and, and start fresh with your conference slate. Um, but the competition really gets going and it gets amped up. Your scout reports are a lot more in-depth because you're usually going to see teams multiple times a year. Um, and this is also just in terms of the time of, of the year, I think it's interesting to see which teams can really take advantage, which teams are really going to improve through this stretch. You know, I'll take kind of opposite ends of the spectrum here. Virginia had 11 days to prepare for Houston, which this time of year, that, that's pretty unheard of. Obviously, a, a marquee matchup. Houston had to play Alabama and North Carolina A&T in those 11 days. Virginia looked a little, I would say, their timing was a little off. They just weren't quite as crisp as they've been throughout the year. So that long break maybe doesn't help the veteran team, but you look at a team like Duke. You know, they haven't played... Uh, in 10 days since they played, I think it was Maryland Eastern Shore, and a few days before that, they played Iowa and had a great win, but Jeremy Roach played a ton of minutes. I think he had 22 points in that game. He doesn't play with Maryland Eastern Shore, so it's all Tyrese Proctor and the rest of the freshmen. They have 10 days to work on things. Then they play again tonight. They've got another 11 days off until they play Florida State. You know, I just think the, the way these schedules are broken out and when you really start to dive in, Teams that are really going to 
you know, put those two a days in and really develop. It'll be interesting to see who can take advantage. Yeah, I mean, you look at the Orange schedule. They have their longest break coming up uh, after uh, tonight. Uh, play tonight against Pitt, and then won't play till a New Year's Eve afternoon. So that's eleven days uh, against BC. Actually, had a shorter break than usual with Finals Week. Played a game which is rare, a Monday of Finals Week, and then uh, just got the win against Cornell. On uh, Saturday, uh, Luke, we'll get into the, this Orange game tonight in a little bit. Your Cardinals here in a little bit, but uh, the marquee game, and you mentioned the team tonight in the league. You got the two ranked teams down in Coral Gables. It's Virginia. It's Miami. My goodness, what what a contrast in styles. Uh, one team likes to go super fast. The other team says, Let, "Let's slow it down a bit." How, how do you see these styles kind of running into each other tonight? Well, I, I can't wait for the matchup, and I think you're spot on there. You know, it's interesting that Virginia can force you, I mean, force you to play at their pace. And what it does is it causes you to be ultra-efficient. You know, if you can't knock down jump shots against Virginia, it's going to be a long night because the way they play that pack line, there's really no driving opportunities uh, without having a lot of hands there trying to strip you. They, they don't shoot themselves in the foot in terms of fouling or giving up offensive rebounds. So you really got to be crisp on your execution. And ultimately, if you're not knocking down shots against Virginia, it's going to be really tough to win that game. Um, it'll cause guys like Isaiah Wong to be a, a little bit more patient with their shot. Um, can they dominate on the inside the way Houston kind of went after Virginia? I don't know why it surprises me, but I look at a guy like Jairus Walker for Houston and, and how impactful he was in that game. And then a guy like Marcus Sasser, who, I mean, preseason, a lot of people were picking for National Player of the Year runner. And, and Marcus Sasser didn't play well, and the freshman big did. So it'll be interesting to see if the guards from Miami can knock down shots efficiently enough. Uh, they don't have, you know, Jordan Miller is not Walker. He's he's a great player, and he's a, a real inside-outside threat, hustles, great offensive rebounder, but he's not built like that. He doesn't play like that. It's not physically imposing like Walker was. So the contrast in style is going to be awesome to watch. You know, the backcourt for Miami, I think, is one of the best in the country, and they're going up against, in my opinion, the best defensive backcourt in the country with Kia Clark and Reese Beekman. So it's going to be an awesome matchup. They'll have to take care of the little things, and, and efficiency is what's going to win this game. Yeah, I said between Kihei Clark and uh, Isaiah Wong, the, this game tonight is the, the how in the heck are these guys still in school game? I mean, they, these two have been here yeah. uh, forever, just absolutely uh, forever. Luke Hancock, ACC Network, uh, all things Louisville as well down there. Ed the Ville is our uh, guest here today, and Luke, I think we talked about it a few weeks ago. I'm I'm no less confused about them today. What, what what's Carolina? What what is their deal right now? You know they had the they looked like the number one team in the country at least a little bit to start the season, and they fell apart for a week and a half, and uh, now they're back beating top twenty five teams. And Armando Baycott is dominant again. What 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 do you make of the heels right now? Well, you know, I just think that, that we got a little too excited on UNC and and the teams that they lost to. You go back and look at those four games. And yet it is a, a little bit of a head-scratcher to see the number one team in the country fall like that. But they're all quality teams. They're all NCAA tournament teams, in my opinion. And they're realizing what it's like being the, the hunter versus the hunted between last season and this season. Hubert Davis has just talked consistently about keeping the noise out the last two years. And it's very different noise when you know you, you lose that game at home against Pitt last year in the middle of the season, and they're really struggling. That was all negative noise they're trying to keep out. And then at the beginning of the season, it was all this, you guys are the greatest thing since sliced bread noise that they needed to keep out. So ultimately, I think this is going to be a humbling thing for them where they're going to, they're going to come together and they're going to be much better. You know, these wins can pay dividends down the road. When I played, we, uh, we got that coveted number one 
in the country ranking in the regular season, and we lost our next three games, two of which were unranked teams, one of which was uh, your Syracuse Orange up there. So these things happen. Uh, the bullseye gets really big uh, when you get to be the number one team in the country and you get everybody's best shot. But new new piece in, uh, in Nance trying to figure out his role, how to open things up for everybody else. But I was very encouraged with their fight against Ohio State. Mm-hmm. The way they win, maybe not uh, what Carolina fans would want, but – Great shot by Nance on the buzzer beater, and they just they just found a way, and that's what they did in the NCAA tournament last year when they got hot. Uh, ultimately, they, the guards have got to be more efficient, and that'll open everything up. Yeah, great. for everybody else, including Baycott. Yeah, it was the great shot to send it overtime. Baycott had, had the monster game uh, for Carolina. He's on a run of double doubles. Uh, Orange fans will, will, will remember that game you're talking about, Luke, from years ago. Finally, uh, Michael Carter Williams had a, a big one down in the yes, the, the um center uh, that day. Um, the Carolina win against Ohio State, they, they've got Michigan tomorrow in a, a game down in Charlotte. So, you know, the ACC, they did okay at a conference, but they, they didn't set the world on fire. So they're maybe a little behind, you know, as a league, other leagues right now. How important, you know, was Carolina's win for the league against Ohio State the other day? And, you know, if they can get Michigan tomorrow, just to, to at least get a few league wins like that in your back pocket right now. Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny. You win the ACC Big Ten Challenge and, and people are still looking around and ragging on the ACC or at least making it relative to the Big Ten, saying that they just did okay. Um, you know, I think this game is important for Carolina just to get them on the right path as they get into the thick of conference play. But, you know, at the same time, um, you've got really quality teams in this conference at the top. You know, Virginia and Duke, I think, are as good as anybody. Uh, I mentioned some of the reasons Duke's going to get so much better through this time of year. Uh, they've got so many young pieces, and, and I don't know any analyst in the country that would have put their money down on the two best freshmen for Duke are Tyrese Proctor and Flip. You know, everybody would have said it's Whitehead and it's Lively. So just to think that those guys haven't really gotten in rhythm yet, the type of potential that they could unlock during this break, getting those guys just up the game speed and, and competing at a little bit higher level, um, Virginia, obviously, you know, with their defense, if the last few games have been a little sluggish on offense, but they're a powerhouse. Um, Carolina, you know, they're going to be fine with everybody they return. So I, I think this game is important, but long story short, there are five teams in the conference that I think are top 25 teams, top 20 teams. And then outside of that, you got to bring it in the ACC when you play those, those middle tier teams because they can upset teams on any given night. You know, Wake Forest, for example, absolutely dominated LSU in that first half. They did lose the game by a bucket, but you know, that's the third or fourth or fifth best team in the, in the SEC, and they were absolutely crushing them. So there, there's a lot of talent across the league. I don't know how much priority I'd place on the Michigan game, but it'd be nice for UNC and Hubert Davis to get that confidence going moving into conference play. Yeah, you mentioned Wake, and Luke Hancock is with us. Wake's got Duke tonight. That's in Winston. That's a testy little game tonight uh, for Duke. I, I bet uh, Coach Beheim he, he would have predicted Kyle Filipowski doing what he did because I know the Orange were hot and heavy on the, uh, the recruiting trail after him and obviously ended up uh, going down to Duke. Uh, a couple more teams uh, to touch on. we, we got to hit your Cardinals, uh, unfortunately, Luke. They have won two in a row. Like, have they have they scraped the bottom of the barrel and they're starting to turn it? What, what are you seeing with this team? Because, uh, my goodness, it was terrible early, but at least they showed a little fight here over the last week. Yeah, we we need some positivity on a two game win streak uh-huh. here. I mean, no, I uh, I will say against Western Kentucky, you know, you, you guys know how it is when you play an in state team that's close by that feels like they're just a little under where you're at because they're maybe not a power five team. They they come in with a chip on their shoulder, 
And I was fully expecting WKU is a good basketball team. Rick Stansberry has, has put guys in the NBA. Teams are always competitive. Uh, I would have thought they would have come out there and steamrolled Louisville the way they were playing. Um, it was nice to see them come out and fight. They did shoot a really high clip from, from three that I don't think is sustainable. But ultimately, you know, when that snowball effect takes place and you're going downhill and your locker room's starting to get a little frazzled and you hear all the noise from the community, the toughest thing in basketball is to get that thing to turn around. So I, I give a lot of credit to Kenny Payne in getting these two wins. Um, they really need one tonight just to get a three-game win streak before you hit the ACC because they probably won't be favored in another game the rest of the year. Um, at this point, it's about being better than you were yesterday. And, um, you know, L. Ellis is a guy I'll give some props to because I've been very hard on him throughout the year. Um, he has an unbelievable turnover to assist ratio. And as a team, they're like 350th uh, in terms of assist to turnover ratio. But in these last couple games, he's kept the bad turnovers out. He's taken better shots and he's been a floor general for him. He's got to play that way for them to be successful. So I'll give him some props. I'd like to think they've hit rock bottom, and then the only way to go is up. Uh, but we'll see on this game tonight. Um, Lipscomb's a one-point favorite, probably deservedly so. Louisville's going to have to bring, bring their best stuff to win. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to have a turnover to assist ratio. You, you prefer it to be in the other <laughs> order. I think that's never that's never a good sign. And uh, you know that's something that uh, Orange freshman point guard Judah Mintz has worked out. He uh, he, he was about one to one early in the season uh, in the Orange winning streak. Now twenty five assists and just five turnovers. So Mintz is playing great right now. And you know we're looking at this Cuse Pitt game tonight. My goodness, it's two teams that started really slow. It feels like they've gotten their act together. They're both eight and four. They're both one and zero in the league. Man, this feels like as fair of a fight as you want here tonight. This should be a really good game, I think, in the Dome, Luke. And it feels like an important game. Like, both these teams need a little, uh, you know, to keep this little momentum going into the, the holiday break. Uh, totally agree. You know, um, Syracuse has a really good chance of going the whole month of December. I don't want to jinx anybody, but they do have a great chance to go the whole month of December without losing. Mm -hmm. They've played well. Uh, to your point there about Judah, he has really impressed me with just his growth through this season. Um, you know, Jim Beheim gives a lot of freedom on the offensive end, but you, you better be able to play that 2-3 zone in, in that defense. He's just grown. He's trying to live on Luke Skywalker's with his highlight reel dunks. Uh, but as that, as that guy gets better, man, he opens things up for everybody else. He makes the game so much easier for everybody else. He's, it's obvious he can get where he wants on the floor. But as his IQ continues to, to develop, Syracuse is going to get better and better. And then, you know, Pitt's won some games lately shooting it well. And that 2-3 zone, it can trap you into thinking, all right, we're going to beat Syracuse knocking down threes. I think if you really ask Jim Beheim, some of these teams that come in there and they knock down a shot or two from the perimeter and, and Syracuse is down, you know, 8-2 or 6-0 early, he's probably smiling inside because you're kind of falling into that trap. If Pittsburgh falls into the trap shooting too many threes, too many jump shots, Syracuse is going to win this game for sure. Yeah, that's what happened uh, with Cornell on uh, Saturday. I mean, intentionally, that's what they do, but they took 48 threes uh, in the ballgame, right. the second most that were ever taken against uh, the Orange. All right, look, my friend, uh, good to chat here. Have a happy holidays, and uh, I'm sure we'll be doing this uh, sooner than later as we get towards the new year. Yes, sir. Happy holidays. Uh, Merry Christmas and enjoy the games. we got some really good ones coming up. Absolutely. That is uh, Luke Hancock, ACC Network and former Louisville Cardinal. Always good to be joined uh, by Luke and into the holiday season. And, you know, our teams, the Cuse and Louisville, were both uh, struggling early. Uh, the Cards are still 2-9, and nine, but they've won two in a row. The Orange have won five in a row. So a uh, little, little good karma for both the 
teams on that end of the conversation here right now. Well, that we'll take a break, come back and work our way toward the end of the hour. After this, we'll we'll hit you with a little signing day news is the wrong term. Um I don't even know if speculation is the right term because I'm not going to speculate what's going to happen because I haven't the foggiest. Uh, so we will have uh, speculation about potential future speculation about potential future news. Hmm? We'll do that at the top of the hour. How's that? How's that for a football early signing day teaser? It's tomorrow. Dino Babers is going to talk tomorrow. When will you hear it? Right here on the show. At what time? Two-ish, we think? Maybe? Probably? We'll see. That's what we're hoping. Nothing, uh, it's not been chiseled in stone yet, uh, what time Dino's going to talk tomorrow. But we'll hit a little football as we get toward the top of the hour. More on tonight's game. Curtis Aiken is the color analyst for the Pittsburgh Radio Broadcasts. He's um, he's here in town somewhere. Maybe he's not far away. Maybe he's slightly further away. I have no idea where Pitt's staying. Anywho, he'll join us at 3.30 to get us ready for the game tonight and a little 411 in the 315 at 315 with Matt. So we will do that all as we roll along here today. It is QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio.